For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. This is it. This is the year. Enough dreaming about growing my business online. It's time to get serious about selling in my style, as big as I want to grow, because there's nothing I can't do. It's time to get Shopify and take my business to the next level. Whoa, someone's ready to take on the new year. Oh, oh, I thought I was talking to myself there. But heck yeah, 2023 is my year. That's not your average resolution. That's a revolution. It's, it's a, a new, new year's, year's revolution. revolution. Start selling with Shopify to join the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand. From templates that make site design simple to customizations that let you grow at your pace. This is possibility powered by Shopify. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. That's shopify.com slash free 22. Go to shopify.com to start your New Year's revolution today. All right, welcome into On My Block Podcast, the Green Bay Packer Podcast. I'm your host, Amon Green, along with my co-host, Mike Wall. Man, Mike, how you doing? I'm doing great. Excited to see our guest today, bud. I know, me too. Uh, We got the young, up-and-coming, starting on-lineman for the Packers, John Runyon Jr., a guy whose dad we know very well, and uh, we we, we faced him, but obviously indirectly, because he was on the offensive side of the ball, as we both were, but great guy, uh, politician. Um, and uh, is um, I'm just excited to have him here. The only thing I got a little little gripe with he's his team has destroyed my team, the Huskers, for the past whatever time we've been in the Big Ten. So we've been getting destroyed by them and the Badgers. So I got to hear it from Badger fans and Badger teammates like Tausch that we have. Um, from time to time, I get a text message they're just jabbing at me. I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm like whatever. But uh, my no job, man. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, excited to talk a little ball. Yeah, for sure. sure. I know Mike too. He's excited. I got a fellow lineman in here. Me too. Um, my hey, dad was a well, lineman. Hey, so. AG, when's the last Yo. time Nebraska was good? <laughs> Let's be. It's been in the two. It's what, been what in the two thousands. It's got to be probably in the last. It's 2022, so probably 2020, probably 2012. Been ten years when we've been like, eh. Yeah, okay, I would have said twenty. I would have said twenty third. I would have said since you were there. I would have said the since big, you were there. The last I was time they were really to, good. Nah, I was gonna go with that one. But yeah, they were like John said. They were in the Big Ten championship. We got, but we got destroyed by Wisconsin. They had Melvin Gordon, James White, and Monty Ball. 
I watched that game and it was a it was we got destroyed. It was bad. And at the you know the, the worst part about that game for me was I was at a, I don't know if you've seen, been to uh, Hager Marcus or Park here in Green Bay, Mike yeah. or John too. Y'all both you know. Um, I was there doing an autograph signing during that game. So I was actually at that game. Oh, nice. I'm in a, I'm in Hagermeister <laughs> Park, getting getting destroyed by Badger fans because I'm you know I'm but I'm the good I'm signing autographs so they're kind of in a good mood because they're getting an autograph from me. But then as soon as I sign the autograph, they just trash talking me. Ah, oh, look at your boys, they get destroyed. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, look, man, let me get, get this autograph and get keep walking. <laughs> Walk away, please. Nothing Go like somewhere. being in a public place during something like that, right? Right. Oh my God, it was not fun. I was like, let me get home, jump on the Xbox. Recalibrate. <laughs> I got to get out of this. Oh man. So, uh, so yeah, we got some of the news up the here. Xbox, yeah, no, that's what I did to survive here in Green Bay for me. Um, but you got one of your teammates, uh, Whitney Merciless. We, we called it quits after ten years in the NFL, most of his years with the uh, Houston Texans, and uh, he had the torn bicep this past season. And uh, did you get a chance to you know get to know him a little bit for his uh, one? I think it was one, just maybe one season, correct? Winnie's locker is actually right next to mine. So uh, every day it was always just like small talk here and there. I got to know him pretty well. He uh, he trained with uh, one of the guys that I trained with here when I'm in the offseason in Philly, Lane Johnson, and we kind of made a connection through that. We would just talk all the time. And after the season's over, we went out to, you know, a small group of guys went out to dinner, and I got to know him a little bit more. And, um, you know, this what he – how what happened to him during the season with the bicep tear and coming back so fast, getting himself ready for the playoffs was unreal. And you know, I was kind of just watching from the distance, listening to him talk to guys around the locker room. And you know, <clears throat> he's just really a true pro's pro. And um, he was a great guy to have in the locker room, high energy, always positive, and uh, kind of just infectious smile. Uh, I'd see every day walking in, he'd, he'd always be there like before me and I try to get to facility early too. So right. you know, I was trying to do that extra and get him back out in the field and it paid off. And, you know, we're, we're going to miss him. He's a, he's a great player, but uh, definitely, definitely a great guy to have in the locker room for sure. Oh, he, he was a community, he was a big community guy in, in, in Houston. They actually, they're considering putting him up in the ring of honor. And, and he's one of those guys that because JJ Watt was so good for so long, he kind of goes unsung, but he was, a, you know, he was a big time player for the Texans for a number of years. And when he was in his prime, probably four or five years, he was, you know, he, he was one of those guys you had to, you had to watch out for. He's a game plan guy, you know. I mean, he's he's kind of where – I'd say he's kind of like where Rashad Gary is right now. I think Rashad's going to get better. I think he's going to – you know, become, we talk about Rashad becoming that, that game plan guy. You know, Whitney was kind of always on the precipice of that out there with, with J.J. It's just J.J. caught so much – you know, he gets so much shine because he was such a – I mean, he was a difference maker for so long that, uh, you know, sometimes the other guys don't get the attention. But he's a great player. He had a great career, man. So congratulations to him for sure. Hey G, you want me to hit? You want me to hit my favorite, my favorite part of the show? Yeah, go right ahead, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our partners at BetOnline continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find out all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds in the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series, Ag? Mm, uh, Angels. They got the pitcher hitting home runs say, and striking people an out. Team. <laughs> yeah, just, you just got to pick an L.A. team, man. But hey, Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use 
use our promo code BELIEVE. That is B-L-E-A-V to receive. Listen to this. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. John, that means mm. if you put in – let's do the math. John, you went to Michigan. If you put a million dollars in for your first deposit, you think we're going to give you a $500,000? No. I wonder what the limit is. <laughs> Anyways, bet online where the game starts. All right, hey, What do you man. think? How much money do you think I could put in? How much money do you think I could put in to get that? I mean, to you know, until they're like, all right, dude, we're not going to do this. God, I, that's a good question. Do I don't know. You know me. I'm not, a, I'm not that. I'm, that's I'm a dangerous that game. Betting guy. It is. It's a dangerous. I'm pretty sure you have. But you don't have, you don't the have limits. to be the bet. You don't have to be a betting guy to understand that that's free money, right? Like, okay. Let's go. I gotta read. Put, it. If we, even if we put in ten G's, if we put in ten G's, that means we get fifteen. That means we get to play with fifteen thousand. That sounds like a pretty good deal. Oh, gotcha. right. That's yeah. math. Yeah. Just think of it as your annuity, buddy. Except for except for you have to gamble it away. <laughs> <laughs> I would do my homework to catch up where you are because you lived out there. You you got the 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 moxie, yeah. the bed in moxie. John, we talked about it. We talked a couple weeks ago, and you grew up in Philly. And obviously, your dad was a great—you know—he was the right tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. Mm-hmm. You know, you told me he—he actually—he started with another team, but we always remember him as a Philadelphia Eagle, right? Him, yeah. Trey Thomas, all those guys. John Wilburn playing for Donovan McNabb under center, and and you know that that team really kind of revolutionized the West Coast offense going from um, – because Andy Reid really wanted to make, like, his running game, even even though he had Brian Restbrook, his, his running game was really the short passing game. His quick slants, his hitches, and everything, that became kind of the new style offense that has now evolved into, you know, basically what you see in, in Philly. But with growing up, and we talked about this before, you were not a football player early on. So can you just talk about a little bit what you did early on to become – like what? What sports are you playing? What things are you doing as a younger athlete that you think really molded you into becoming a, a at this stage a starting left guard, hopefully an All Pro left guard here in, in the upcoming years? Yeah, growing up, uh, I think the first sport I got into was basketball. Uh, that, that's my my dad's first sport. That was kind of the only sport that he really kind of made all of me and my two of my sisters play. Um, you know, after basketball, I would play sports year year round. It'd be basketball, baseball. And then, you know, in the fall, I'd play flag football because the way my township did it, it was messed up with the way I had to play the kids older than me. So I was a big flag football kid for a little bit just because I loved the game so much. But I loved baseball and I loved basketball. I, I played baseball for like two straight years year-round. Went to like Cooperstown one year, did a little tournament up. And we, didn't, we didn't fare too well, but you know, it was a great experience being up there. But then after that, I kind of I thought I thought I was going to be a baseball player. I kind of burned out baseball. I, I thought I was going to be a basketball player after that. I played basketball. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be a basketball player. I kind of stopped growing. But also in middle school, I played lacrosse too, and I really liked lacrosse. Um, I mean, I was bigger, I was bigger than everybody, but I could still kind of run. So I was just all over the field, uh, you know, just scoring goals, playing, you know, just running up and down. It was a lot of fun, and I was playing with my buddies too, so it was a good time. But I think basketball really. You know, playing like that four or five position, uh, middle school, and I played my freshman year. It's kind of really helpful for offensive line play. Um, good footwork in there. You got to be really, really technical in the low post and stand mm-hmm. for guys that you know are bigger than you. Some are quicker than you. You know, it's what you, it's what you face going against three techniques and you know shades and lining up and kicking out to you know a wide defensive tackle, defensive end. So I think I think basketball was really helpful with me. You know, kind of understanding how to move my body, use my feet and my hands independently and get myself to play in the right position. 
obviously just helping be in shape. And uh, I remember throughout all high school, the track and field coach wanted me to come out and throw so bad, but for, for some reason I, I would never do it. I, 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 looking back on it, I wanted, I should have done it. I think throwing would have been a lot of fun, but I don't, I don't know why I never did it. That's one of my big regrets of high school was not throwing. I always, I always think like basketball of all the sports that we can play. You, if you, when you see a basketball like a professional yeah. basketball player, they're like the they're the, the best athletes on the on the planet. Like you see those guys, they just look different than everybody else. And when you yeah. just talk about like 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 things that cross over into any sport, basketball's yeah. got spatial awareness and body positioning at a premium. It's like stuff you drill every single day. We don't necessarily drill those in other sports, but like the way that yeah. you have to get to the different sides of the court, understand spatially where you have to get to, and then always being in that right body position you're right like that footwork stuff isn't is that it's footwork huge. really does help now john you don't know this but ag and i both play pretty high level rugby after yeah after football so i i mean you look like one of those guys like as soon as as soon as you hang up these cleats i know it's a long time from now but as soon as you hang up these cleats, you can just throw those rugby shoes on and just get right back out at it man yeah I've been around rugby a lot. Uh, my uncle grew up playing his matches every now and then. And when I was at Michigan, we took a trip to South Africa and we got to hang around with the Springboks and some of like the nice. uh, oh, wow. university teams down there. And I was actually uh, in Dublin and I went to a pub and watched England versus Ireland. Uh, they had a rugby match too. And, you know, I, I remember every time I watch it, I always pick up stuff and, you know, I kind of understand it pretty well. And I mean, it looks fun. It's obviously a lot different, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it does, I mean, I mean, I'd be down. I'd be down to try. It's a phenomenal it. sport. It's a phenomenal nice. sport. It is. It is. And nice that you got to hang out with Springbok. Springbok, that's dope. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I, me too. Me too. Yeah, it's a it, it's a man it's a man sport for sure. It's definitely a man sport. So, uh, what about so what when you got here to Green Bay? What was that feeling like? Because you know you know, where the Packers stand in like sports world here in the United States. So how was that feeling coming, coming to the Packers when you got drafted? Yeah, definitely. It was awesome. Uh, I, I still remember the day I went out to, you know, get, it was during COVID. So I flew out mm-hmm. to get physical and uh, signed my contract. And I, I remember I left, I had like a 6 a.m. flight out of Philly, connected in Chicago, went to Green Bay and uh, I was, Take, they took me around Green Bay. I, I saw all there was to see in about 30, 45 minutes. And, and that's it. It was, it was a beautiful day that day. And it's kind of Headmaster Park. Uh, had some food, had some cheese codes, and took it all in. Went had my physical in my contract and flew back the same day. And uh, I know when I was going back out there the second time, I was just so excited. Um, I was ready for it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, these past two years, I haven't really been able to take everything all in because with all yeah. this stuff and us not being able to I mean, yeah. we're allowed to go out and get food and stuff like that but not being able to like really embrace the city and all the fans that we have there it's been kind of tough but i'm excited with the off-season program starting up and you know hopefully things settling down you know this year my third year uh really start enjoying it and you know taking in all that really green bay has off the has to offer so yeah. really looking forward to getting back out there you start spending some time with aj aj <laughs> He's he's got that he's got that whole city on lockdown right now, man. He's everywhere. Yeah, he's yeah, got, got a podcast. He's like renting out. He's like renting out Door County to like he rents out Door like he, he's like got he's got I think he's got a chalet up in Door County. He's renting out to like governors and whatnot, man. The guy's he's got it figured out. I'm telling you. Oh, hey, listen, man. 
John, when we talk about your style of play, and one thing that I really admired about you and, and something that AG talked about, you know, we, mm. we talked about every week on this show during the season, which I love the way you try to be a physical player. What are your favorite kind of runs? Like we, we, I don't even want to talk about pass pro because it's, it's just the necessity of the job. But let's talk about running plays because AG's on, on board right now. What are the favorite kind of runs? Like what's, what's your like ideal, if I could run this 16, 20 times a game, like we had a play we ran 20 times or 16 times a game. Yeah. What, what is your, what's that play that you wish that, man, I wish they just called this like 16 times a game. I love this thing. Yeah, my, my favorite play, and we, we do run it about 16 times a game, is the, the duo play. You know, you get the two blocks uh, between the front side, uh, center and guard and the backside guard and tackle or they're technically they're technically the backside and uh we're getting two downhill blocks and you know aj or aaron's gonna find that hole up the middle and you know we get a lot of big runs out that play and uh i love that play so much you can really lean on those double teams and we run it so much and have so many different variations and different type of plays off the same formation that you know we're really able to stick with it and uh that duo is definitely my favorite player run because it's just such a downhill play. It's hits, yeah. it's hits in the a gap, and uh, you know we, everybody knows what's what's happening when you line up in that formation. And it's just if you're going to try to stop it, and you know you try to play the holes. And, you know what, what do you what are you running that out of? Because like one thing that we see all the time that I know Amon's just sitting there going, "You got to be joking!" It's like you guys have so many six man boxes. Sometimes you have five man boxes. And Ahmad had eight-man boxes all because it was just different formations. It was just a different game back then. But what kind? Of, what formations are you running that out of? You guys trying to? You guys trying to lighten up the box? Or you just you just start bringing more people to the party? It, we we can run it as so many different types of formations. We can just run it with a tight end set. Or we can run it with a tight end wing set, or we can run it, you know, with a tight end backside and then motion receiver inside to you know get that. Um, backside uh, safety rolling down out of there and everything, everything that, because that, that's obviously probably one of our favorite runs. So you got to protect it with, you know, different formations and different motions like that. So we try to get that going and, uh, you know, it, it works well. And then you run that, you know, five times and you're making plays off that and that's the action down the field. And that's what really breaks, breaks teams backs. And, you know, that's what, that's what mm, on my face. Smile on the running back's face right there. I love it. Yeah. Double team downhill. Oh yeah. Um, so easy play to read too for a running back. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. So the play for us was uh was a basically power ninety six power. Yeah. Or 97, 98 uh, hmm. counter. We do the same thing downhill. Mike will come around or Marco. It depends which way we're going. Mike was coming. If we're going right, Mike was coming around. Yeah. If we're going left, Marco. I was following Marco, and it was something to where I I learned how to read the heads of the backers if they're like, I remember, so prime example, Erlacher, his, what he would do, he would do two things. He would either try to outrun them and, and shoot to the outside, or he'll try to come underneath to the backside A gap if yeah. we're going to the left. And yeah. so that's what's little stuff like that. I used to pick, I got picked up because then I knew how I could either hit it right fast downhill or cut that sometimes very rarely with a power play, but I say more for 92, 93 blasts up the middle is where I cut it back all the way to the backside because that backers are screaming out of there because they're trying to get to the edge and slow, you know, slow me down, slow Mike or Will down or whoever's blocking in the front. So, no, that's uh, it's, it's the best play. thing you have when you have a back behind you that understands, that, you know, like we're guy, we're, we're big guys out in space. Like, mm. you know, we might not be able to get the best positions by ourselves, but the running back behind us, that's the linebacker or whoever's looking at. They're not looking at us. They're trying to make a play off the running back. And the running back setting our block up 
to help them get free. Like that, that's what, that's where you really know you got a good offensive line. You're running the ball really well. The running backs able to set those blocks up for their guys and they'll, they'll get, they'll get an explosive play off that. And that's when the offense really starts clicking and things start feeling good and everybody starts playing better. Right. Exactly. So with that, what you, you say with that, you know, <clears throat> clicking together. So how well do you, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon communicate on the field, if at all in those run plays that are happening or even some of the pass plays? Yeah. Um, there, there's stuff down in the red zone where, uh, I'll see something, or in uh, I'll see something and tell AJ or Aaron that this guy is playing loose. Uh, you know, watch watch the backside cut. Like I think we'll be able to drive him out there. This guy's tired, stuff like that. And you know, they'll tell me stuff, but they see how linebackers or how safeties are playing. And there's a lot of a lot of back and forth with that. And it's really helpful when you got guys that are able to communicate like that. Make game. Everybody's tired. Everybody's exhausted. So. Stuff, little stuff like that, that makes the makes the team better for sure. So, John, are a lot of those conversations that you're having? Obviously, you're talking about things that happen on the sideline during a game. But are you also? So, do you guys meet during the week? Like one thing that Amon and the guys did is they'd come into our room and we would watch tape. So we had an idea of like that backside linebacker, how Erlacher was going to play. So we're kind of, you know, it's it's one of those things you're going to make adjustments from, but it always feels really good when you think that you're on the same page as your running backs. Yeah, we, we have those meetings. We have them uh, Wednesday after practice and then Thursday morning. Uh, Wednesday after practice, uh, the, like the centers and the running backs, you know, and centers, guards, running backs, and quarterbacks, we all get in the same room. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll, we'll go over about like a 15-play cutup. And then uh, Thursday, that's kind of the first thing we do in the morning. That's our blitz meeting. And then uh, the night before the game, uh, we always have uh, – you know, another blitz meeting. So, you know, we're, we're always with him. We're always on the same page. And Aaron and or Aaron Jones and uh, AJ Dillon, they're, they're always going back and forth to each other. They, they know everything that's going to happen just like we do. So, you know, let's pick up is really never an issue. And, and uh, it's it's always fun seeing, you know, Aaron Jones throwing his body up against a big Mike linebacker like Bobby Wagner running through the A-gap. And that fires us up as offensive line, seeing that a running back, not just, you know, running out in space, but, you know, putting their body on the line for the team, just, just like us. And uh, that, that really fires us up and that ignites the offense too. And, you know, our quarterback sees that and it makes him feel comfortable in the uh, pocket and, uh, you know, just roll off that. So real yeah, quick, ahead. well, real quick before going to trans warfare, my one time where I, <clears throat> I did my, you know, doing my job, we're in the Metrodome, that thing's obviously gone now. And, they had heavy linebackers. Their linebackers probably on a light day, two fifty-five, mm-hmm. and and we had a um, a gap blitzer, and that was my responsibility. It was two jet protection. I, I stuffed the hole there, but like I said, two sixty. I'm two twenty, so I'm looking at the top of the dome. And only thing that between after the after I get hit, the guys helping me up off the ground. It was a touchdown play. It was a like a slant route to I think Donald, and Donald took it to the house. But just knowing that feeling, like okay myself and these guys up front we just help brett just get that extra second yeah. to get the ball off um so that's that was kind of like the reward of obviously getting getting blitzed and being peter roll basically being like oh my god what just happened this got hit by something very hard but- Hey, Amon's Amon's telling us that story like we don't have anything else. That's all we have. You, like you get, and then you're like, oh, and then I scored a touchdown on the ground because I got to carry the ball. I caught four passes. We don't have anything else, dude. That was literally you just described our entire life. Yeah, <laughs> I I know that. I know that. Yeah. At the start, I mean, I was, you're I was, commiserating, but you're also 
you're like you're commiserating with us, but you're also acknowledging that like everything else you do is better than what we did on a daily. But thank you though. No, I'm not saying it. Mike, I love you, man. Me. Yeah, you like to get, <laughs> Mike loves to give me a hard time because he knows he knows me. He knows me well. He's a humble superstar. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into Twitch, trench, trench warfare. My dad was an offensive lineman. He was a tackle when he played ball. He only got to the college level. He tore his knee up. But then, obviously, he instilled those lineman traits into me. And mm-hmm. I think Mike found that out when we started doing this podcast. He never knew that story. I just wanted to let you know. So mm-hmm. I understand y'all world very well. It is nasty. It's grimy. And you got to do what you have to do to survive in, in the trench. Mm-hmm. So... I've I've said this a million times. Ag is one of the toughest dudes I ever played with. I just, I like giving him I like giving him grief because he's the Packers all time leading rusher and and you know he he gets a lot you get a lot of accolades for being for having real stats that don't say sack next to him. So so John, I'm gonna start I'm gonna start you with a softball, okay? okay? Why is left guard the most important position in football? Because it's the closest route to the quarterback on the his ball side. Great answer. See how easy that was? Simple. Now, we, you had an answer. I asked you this question uh, a couple weeks ago on, on our podcast, and, and I wanted to, I wanted to, everybody to hear it. So we were talking about finishing and how I appreciate that you're – you know, a lot of guys in the league now don't really take the time to finish. And you had a very specific answer of what you thought added to that. Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I think it's about uh, just being in shape, like when the time comes, being in the right conditioning. That's, that's yeah. the key. I don't think some people some people overlook sometimes. Like, so I, I thought that was it's like well, I every, thought that was like super insightful. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, explain it a little bit more. I want to hear this. The offensive linemen can be nasty, but there comes a point in a like 12, 13 play drive where you're so exhausted that you don't want to take this guy five more yards downfield and then have to do a push up to get mm. and walk ten yards back to the huddle and then five yards back to the line of scrimmage. Like okay. the point where when it's in training camp too, and it's ninety degrees outside, it's exhausting. And when guys finish like that, that's just not a testament to how nasty they are. That's a testament to how how hard they work in the off season, how much how much work they put in to get their bodies in shape to be able to go out there and perform like that. So that, that's that's something that offensive line obviously take pride in. Um, you know, people people look at the nasty part, but it's also being just like a really good just being in shape and just yeah. hearing about your craft and stuff like that. It's it's training that training the body to train the mind, right? Like if, you're, if your pain threshold or your your tiredness, your 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 cardio threshold is that much higher than the, your opponent, somebody's going to give out. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it is. It's a battle, Wills, and every everyone's a tough guy in the first quarter, right? We we all know that from experience. Yeah. No, but yeah. second, end end of the second quarter, end of a long drive, fourth quarter. That you're absolutely right, man. It's it's just something that I think it's something that we have always done. Like I remember when we when we were playing, our practices we would like try to chase ag down on screens we try we'd get 40 50 yards downfield every play like because we we weren't as big i mean you guys are now are 20 pounds bigger or 10 pounds bigger than we used to be so we just ran and ran and ran and i never associated those two things but what you, until you said that but it just made just really made a lot of sense to me as far as as far as being you have to be physically able to do that it's not just a, a want to it's a want to prepare to do it yeah definitely no definitely gotta do that it brings intimidation john who do you who do you think the I want you to rank the top. Let's not let's not include the Packers because we we uh, it would be too easy. But let's rank the top three offensive lines right now. Who are the top three offensive lines in the game? 
Top three offensive lines. Mm. Or just your favorite. I think a a healthy 49ers this past year. Um, We can include tight ends too. Yeah, especially when they go when they get to the tight end. The Niners have one of the you know seven men men blocking them. Like watching them a lot. That's that's tough. (laughs) Honestly, without 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 like having the team looking at the teams in front of me right now, it's hard because if I look at the teams, like I can just pull them out. Off my head immediately, and know exactly who's on, but I can't pull them out just off the top of my head. What's one of your favorites to watch? I was always we had we had the Chiefs back in the day. Okay, right now, so I, I think the Cleveland Browns are. You're talking about right now, or right now. Yeah, I, I think that for me, the Cleveland Browns are playing. The Cleveland Browns are are maybe the arguably the best the best line in the league. They're they're pretty good. Oh yeah, uh, like they got, they got like what two or three Pro Bowl guys on that offensive line. Yeah, that, that, yeah, they, yeah, honestly, they all. I mean, they just lost Treader, but they they're both their guards are Batonio and and Teller are all pros. They're all pro quality. They're they just yeah. got the the kid from Alabama is going to be good. And then they have Con, like Conklin is the sneakiest great lineman that I think I've seen in twenty years. Like I didn't think you kind of look at him like, dude, he's no good, and then you watch him and he's amazing. <laughs> JC Treader was good. I mean, they're just they're all kinds of good. Definitely, and you know, watching, I love watching. Uh, Conklin play a lot. He's just so just different in how he does everything, but he always gets the job done. Now that's just that's what he he's does. got. He's like his leverage points. His leverage yeah. points are incredible, but like he doesn't. It when you're watching him, like if you just kind of casually glance, you're like, dude, he doesn't move very well. But then you're like, oh no, he's he's actually he's an incredible player. He's an incredible player. I like. Um, gosh, who else? I think. I mean, you know, after that, it's tough. I mean, the Niners. I would agree with you on the Niners. I thought the Cardinals played pretty well last year at times. Dallas's team should be so good, and then the, for some reason they're not. And it's always mm-hmm. like, like Leo Collins, like supposed to be a star, and he made all these big statements up with Burrow. Like, I'll be super interested, honestly, to see how the Bengals line does next year. I don't, I like, I don't think there's going to be this like mass uptick in performance, dude. One because how they play, they're not going to change their offense if Burrow holds the ball. But two, it's not like the dudes they brought in are world beaters. Like honestly, like Leo Collins is not like a stud pass protector. He's a run yeah. blocker. Yeah. You know? It is impressive what uh the Bengals could do, what they could get away with with giving up like seven sacks a game in the playoffs. It, it was unreal. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow's, a, Joe Burrow's a unicorn, man. We talked about it at length, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey, John, last last one on trench, man. Who who's the you guys have a lot of breakout. You know, like we think, we talked about Gary last year being a breakout guy on defense. Who's a sneaky Packers defender that you see in practice all the time? You're like, dude, this guy might have something to him. He could be like, he could be the next kind of breakout, eight and a half, ten sack guy. One of my favorite guys on defense is uh, Chris Barnes. Uh, you know, he's he's a really underrated guy. Uh, really, really tough guy too. Great answer, uh, yeah. He's silent on the sideline, does not give up in practice. Uh, he, he, we have a, a Dre back now, but he, he was kind of just like the uns- – he was like a leader, you know, on that defense as a rookie. And, you know, he kind of took a step back this year, you know, play, playing with the all-pro. But um, I, I really like and watching, you know, Chris's trajectory of his career thus far. And I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does in year three. You know, 
he's, he's one guy that I think that I'm really excited to see what he does for sure. AG, you talked about him a lot, man. It's just as far as his, his willing to hawk the ball down, he, get, he, get, he brings the hammer. Okay. Yeah. The name, you kind of broke up. What was the name you mentioned? Chris Barnes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he did. He's a um, guy that extra effort going to, and in high motor, um, yeah. solid mm-hmm. tackler, and he's a thumper. I mean, he he's like he's like the backers that we I had to face in Minnesota. It was like, oh my god, really? All right, let's do it. Hopefully, I'm like Trotter, man. Remember, remember Trotter? Yeah, Jeremiah Trotter for Philly. Oh my, well, yeah, you know him, John too as well. You were definitely were well of Jeremiah. He was heavy. He had to be at least two sixty five, at least. He was a monster. Maybe six feet. Maybe six feet. He was just a tank. So, hey, listen, there's never. There's still never been a guy like I don't know if you remember this name, John, but in Pittsburgh, there's a guy named LeVon Kirkland. He was like 5'10, 285. I mean, I, 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 he looked like you couldn't even believe he was out there playing linebacker. Was, I was happy he was the he wide was in the AFC. Dude. Yeah. He was he was literally like he was a nightmare. Anybody who had to hit him was just a nightmare. He was, just, he was too low to cut. He was you were just gonna get lit. Like there's nothing, there was no good thing that was gonna happen. <laughs> give it you just give it your heart and soul and see what happens. Hope hopefully your neck's all straightened out by the time the game's over. Yeah. And could move. It was just weird. It's just crazy to see him just yeah. do the things he did. So you ready for rapid hey, John, fire, Mike? Yeah, I want to give him one, one one last question though. Okay. When, when you look at your career right now, you're going into year three. You had a great year to build on. And, and what do you think you have to do? What are you working on focusing on right now to become a top three guard? In the entire league, what do you what do you do? What's what's the, what's that trajectory look like for you? What do you got to work on? Um, I think honestly, just being more consistent uh, in the run game and pass game. I felt like uh, training camp and throughout the season, I, I would have like a you know good few plays here and there, and then have some like really good plays. But then I would con- contrast it with like a negative play, just like something that wasn't up to you know standard to hold myself to. So kind of just. I don't think you can eliminate all those plays, you know, just making fewer of those every game, you know, consistently just getting better and improving each week. Um, you know, I, I try to hold myself and my play to a high standard. And, you know, that's the, that's what our, our coaches and, you know, the veterans do for us too. So, you know, I try to do that for myself as well. And I think as being more consistent, reliable player and, you know, in the run game and pass game and, you know, you get tired, you know, not bailing on your technique and we you know, when you get tired in those two-minute drills, you know, that's when the game's really on the line. And, you know, just <clears throat> just being able to, you know, really just take that in consideration, you know, uh, just be that guy that everybody needs in that huddle and, you know, be that leader too, I feel like. I feel like, um, you know, with everybody, hopefully we get all these guys back from injury. And uh, I felt like towards the end of the season that, you know, there's a lot of questions up front, guys in and out every week. I kind of had to take kind of just – I've never been that vocal guy, but I've always been that guy that, you know, sets, you know, just says what he's going to do. And people look at that and, you know, people take that to heart and they follow. And that's kind of the guy I've always wanted to do. So kind of, I wouldn't say be the leader in the room, but, you know, just kind of being a leader on the field and, you know, letting guys know that I'm here. Yeah. For them. And, you know, like I said, that and just being consistent, um, more consistent, holding myself up to a higher standard, I feel like, or, you know, going to help me uh, really help me a lot in this third year. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah, yeah. there's a great comment by uh, – I think it was a soccer guy, and they were talking about the best players in the world, just they have this – like the, the level of volatility is just very, very small. Like they don't – most guys never really played at their 10, right? Most guys – very it's very, very few 10 games that you have in your life. 
Yeah. But most they said the best players in the world can play between like a nine and a seven or an eight and a six, but they're never down at a four. They're never yeah. down at a two, you know, whereas there's a lot mm-hmm. of guys in the league that it might have that nine game, but then you have that three game or that four game. And it's like the average just gets, it's just not good enough. Right. So yeah, to your point, man, that, that, that makes a ton of sense. Are you, are you ready? AJ, you want to hit this uh, rapid running fire, running, oh. running rapid fire. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Let's go. All right. First, right. I'll start with the first question here. So favorite weight room lift, John. Favorite weight room lift. Uh, I like deadlift. Of course. What do you, you got? What's your number? Lie to us. <laughs> How do you? Okay, six hundred. <laughs> I, I think I think I got close. Yeah, there we go. I would not be able to hit her. No, no, no. That's, that's a good. That's a good weight, man. It's moving weight. What? Who's who's been the toughest opponent so far? Toughest opponent. Uh, I'd say between Aaron Donald and Jonathan Allen. Yeah. Mm. Ooh, yep. John Allen up there. I like that. He's a good yep. player. Another Batman kid. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Arnold too. All right. So biggest genetic freak on the Packers right now. Biggest genetic freak. I'd probably say Yash Nijman. Uh really? See that. Yeah. Uh, Give me an example of why you would say that. Um yeah, I don't know if you could see this, but in the locker room when he walks around with his shirt off and weighing three hundred twenty pounds, it doesn't doesn't really like make sense how that's like possible. Uh, and just the way he's able to move and his his feet and his bend, it's it, it blows my mind. And then he's just the, the, he's, he's just, just a, feel bad about yourself, huh? Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, <laughs> hey man, I know, I know. Yeah. Luther Ellis, used to, we, we used to have to play this guy, Luther Ellis, dude. He was sick. He was 315 pounds and he had literally six packs with like like veins going through his abs. And I was like, dude, what are we doing? This is stupid. Like, yeah, this is exactly. fair. Exactly. Oh, man. You got the next one, Mike. <clears throat> John, which, John, before big game, do you have a pregame meal? Do you have like a pregame meal or a ritual you go through? I do, yeah. Uh, I just get it from the cafeteria and I just eat two salmon fillets, and then just a big bowl of bolognese uh, spaghetti. And that usually gets me right. I don't, I don't, I don't really like vegetables. I don't really like, I don't really like to feel full. I just like to, you know, get that little bit of protein and those carbs in there. And then, you know, I feel ready to go. And I also drink like four cups of coffee, but not right before a game, like leading up to the game. Like, Do you I, take I, pre-workout? I, that is a pre-workout. Four I don't, cups of coffee? <laughs> Well, it is. That's why I'm asking because there's like a lot of stuff in the like, coffee's got polyphenols stuff that's really good for you, nitrous oxide, your beta alanine, all that stuff. I I've tried pre-workout. I get dirty with this stuff. Yeah. I also really like coffee because it makes you feel lighter too. All right, next one on the list. Uh oh. All right, this is this is kind of along the line with like pregame stuff. When you pregame music, are you more like a Pantera guy or more like a Mozart guy? <laughs> You trying to get up or down? Um, I try to. I try to stay even. Uh, it really depends on what I'm what I'm feeling. I like to do. Like I have this one. There's these like two DJs that I've been following since high school, and they put out these like hour long like mixes, and it's just like a mix of like everything together. So that's usually what gets me free. I mean, there's a lot of high. There's a lot of hype to it, but then there's a, really a lot of calm. And I like to say calm. I don't really like to get too. You know, over the top with everything. Like I say, pretty level. Yeah, I was fifty cents, so I was hype. 
our center, our center in college ended up being like the, he's the commander for like seal team five. Like he's, he's a legitimate badass dude, but he, he's a really goofy guy though. Right. And so yeah. I'll never forget. We're sitting, we're playing SMU in the cotton bowl. This is in the nineties. And he's over there in his, in his locker and he's just doing this. And I'm like, I'm listening like Pantera. I'm like, bro, what are you listening to? And he's like, check this out. It's awesome. And he put it on and it was, it was cake going the distance. And I was like, what the, what the hell are we listening to here? And, uh, <laughs> It's not that it's a great song, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not what I it was expecting. You know what I mean? And he was just so serious about it. He goes, nothing gets me more hyped up than cake. I'm like, dead serious. I was like, all right, man. Everyone's got, everyone's got, everyone's got to get moving. Oh, man. For sure. For sure. Everybody got to find something. All right. Next one on the list. DC or Marvel? John, DC or Marvel? Marvel, 100%. I see you're a DC guy, though. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. Why so serious? I'm a DC guy, but I'm well aware of Marvel, kind of like Nebraska in the Big Ten. We're getting our bus kicked. So DC is getting a bus kicked by Marvel in the cinematic world and on Disney Plus everywhere else. So it yeah. is what it is. And I enjoy it. We're fans anyway. So yeah. And hey, last last one, John. Now this this just came up. I think like Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp are doing this. I just thought it was yeah, interesting. Who's on if you have all time, any sport, who's on your Mount Rushmore of athletes? Four 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 athletes. Any sport, that's a good one. For athletes, in any like any sport, what are you, you saying? Like four athletes from one sport, or four athletes from any sport? No, so I'll give you, I'll give you an example of one. Here's an easy one, right? Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna put Tiger on there. Uh, <sighs> Uh, who's the basket? Who's your basketball guy? Let's just do that. We'll see if we'll kick you off the show or not. We'll go Roger Federer for tennis. Roger. Basketball. Oh, okay. okay. Basketball. Um, I mean, I feel like you have to say Michael Jordan, but I didn't grow up in that area. I mean, that era. But, I'm sorry. Yeah. Era. But you, but you acknowledge that he's much better yeah. than the I two. Good. No. Yeah. Who's the football guy? <laughs> who's the football guy? Football. I mean, I don't think you can go to anybody else besides Tom. So yeah, it's gonna be Tom. I'm glad that we don't even like soccer is the biggest sport in the world, but not here. It could be some. It's like Lionel Messi should probably be on that, but I didn't even think of it until yeah. now. Him, Lionel, oh, man. Cristiano, you know, Pele, maybe you know, from back in the day. Yeah. So John, right. John, we have a segment called "Get Off My Lawn." Right. Feel free to feel free to to piggyback on anything we got going on here, man. You want to hit this uh, to start, AG? Yeah, I'm ready, man. I got this first one. I'm so – I don't like reporters, all right? And the reporter that asked Frank Vogel, the uh, now former head coach of the L.A. Lakers, during post-game interview, you know, so why are you – you know, you just found, you know, what was your reaction to you getting fired? And I love his reaction. He said, I'm going to deal with that shit when, later on, basically. And I'm like, thank you. I'm like, these reporters – they, you know, they're they're trying to get their 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 hot sensational line, or whatever. Like, come on, now they get off, you know, get off my line with trying to find your get your recognition, your fifteen minutes of fame. Stop it, just stop it. It is annoying, and we see it as athletes coming. We could kind of he kind of kind of knew it was coming, but I didn't think he was going to expect it right there in the first questioning of his uh, post game press conference right there. So yeah, stop all that, y'all. Yes. That's just so AG, as of this morning, as of this morning, mm -hmm. he was not fired yet. 
and Wojnarowski on ESPN was reporting that he had already been fired. Right. But they were going to do it later. So they just, I mean, that's that like, to me, that's just it's kind of disgusting. Right. I mean, I know we're it public, is. You're a public figure, but good Lord, it man, is. like give, give the guy a break. It's completely disgusting because for one, they won their game and they had a rough season and that's his business. That is his business. And to try to put it out, like he all of a sudden found a, you know, got the nice lead from somewhere in the facility or wherever they, uh, let's say anonymous, anonymous resource or sources say that part, they need to stop it. Cause they, he could have went ham on them. I, I wish he could have said more. I wish he would have said more to that reporter. And it's probably somebody he probably answers a lot of questions for and helping out his job, um, being a reporter there in LA. So get off my line with that one, guys. I could always roll with that. Yep. One. Along, along the same lines, you know, Obviously, Dwayne Haskins passed away this this weekend, and I, I think it was yeah. I think it turns out he was going for he might have been jogging, he might be going for going for a run or something. Got hit by a car, right? And there, again, there's these reporters that are just dying to get news out, just dying to get news out to be. And I don't even understand what's the big deal at this point of even the first guy to get news out. What's the difference if you get it out or I get it out first? Just like be accurate, you know what I mean? Right. So yeah. the insensitivity. So it's like, I, I was specifically it was I was Adam Schefter just. Didn't make it. Didn't have a smart tweet. Of course, so, you know he's like done this like three or four times already in the last year. He did it with Aaron's whole saga, which just started because exactly. Yeah. Gil Brandt. Gil Brandt's ninety years old on the. Uh, who's putting a ninety-year-old dude on the radio, anyways? Let's just talk about the responsibility of the NFL Network to be thinking about that. I mean, let's just call it what it is, right? Right. He comes out with like one of the most insensitive, like nonsense statements that he could have, and. It's just it's there's this constant need to be validated for whatever. Am I getting my information out first? I got to say what you know what's on my mind. It just goes back to showing, and we'll get on to the next one too, of what these people actually think about athletes, and how it's like we're almost you know it's almost like you're going to the zoo to watch the athletes, you know, mm -hmm. as, as opposed to like really appreciating them for what they are and human beings. Exactly, bad humans over there. Bad humans. All right, what's this next one, Mike? So this, yeah, it just leads right into Dabo, man. Dabo Sweeney. So the Clemson head coach. So the Clemson head coach. Yeah, Clemson head coach. He's he's complaining, okay. you know, you know, nil, and this isn't fair, and athletes are going to make too much money, and it, it's you know the the rules, blah 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 blah. So he goes on a diatribe. He's been saying it, you know, for a while now that he doesn't think it's right. And there's going to be there's tax issues and there's going to be people you know athletes are going to make a ton of money and then they're you know they're not going to they're not going to know what to do and everyone knows it's not a perfect system, right? But mm -hmm. he doesn't seem like the guy that should be complaining because he's making like ten million a year. So the reporter goes, I'm just reading this right off the quotes because I I feel like let's get this accurate. Do you understand what people say? Well, coaches like Dabo Sweeney, Nick Sweet, Nick Saban are making ten million in the ten million dollar range. Why shouldn't the athletes be able to profit even before they get on campus? His answer. Well, Nick Saban is 70 years old. I'm 52 years old. None of us set markets on what we do. We live in a capitalist society. The head of Delta, here we go. This is good. The head of Delta probably makes a lot more than the people who are checking your baggage in, but those people are as vital as anybody. None of us set the markets for what we do. It's a free market we live in, in anything. I'd be like, it's, a, it's the same thing, right? Like the way that, the way that we view the athlete, especially, and this has been going on for forever. Forever. The way yeah. they view the athlete is just always separate from what everything else in society is fair. What's fair for them? What's fair for 
the radio guy, what's fair for the head coach who's supposed to be supporting these guys, just doesn't seem fair for the athletes sometimes, you know? It's just, mm -hmm. it's insane to me. Yeah. What do you think, yeah, John? Yeah. Uh, I agree. Uh, I mean, it's tough. Uh, I mean, with the NIL thing, it, it's tough to regulate all that, too. And yeah. I, you know, I, I don't know what I'd be as a college kid. I, I was actually just back in Michigan, and I was talking to someone. They were making, like, $5,000 off us just going to – you know, the campus bookstore and signing autographs. And if I had that in college, like that would, that would be ridiculous. I, I was lucky if I was like <laughs> walking around with more than like $300 in my bank account at the time. And these guys are living like Kings over there in college getting car deals. I know some like gas station deals, not even paying for gas and stuff like that. It, it, I mean, I, I, I kind of sound like a, like a get off my lawn type guy here right now. But I mean, I, I feel like my college experience would have been just, completely different from what it was if I was walking around with thousands and thousands of dollars as just a college kid. And I, I don't, I don't think I would have made it to the next level if I had that much money while I was in college. Cause I feel like I, you think of motivation. Yeah. 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 And we talked about that. Yeah. There's a motivation factor that it would have been completely different uh, frame of reference being a freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, and you already made a million dollars. Yeah, uh, that, you know, unless you're hardwired a certain way, then that million dollars is like for me, it's just, a, you know, all right, that's just something on the long way to tell. Well, but majority of everybody else, though, don't think and a lot of people don't think that way. This yeah. is, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm set for life now. Why do I have to go continue to kill myself doing something that I made a living in already and, you know, at the college level? So that's the part that gets gets interesting, basically. It's just yeah. there's so much. Even now, there's so much. I mean, even if you, let's say you made a lineman at Michigan, let's say they can make $100,000 in a year, which is a lot of money, right? It's a lot of money. You're going to make, if you're, if you're a starting guard in the National Football League in your second contract, third contract, you're going to make somewhere between 10 and $20 million a year now. Like, yeah, I can still find motivation, I guess. I think, I think, I, like, I think somewhere there's somewhere, I, mean, I might have to write it down every night, like, look at the big picture, but I don't know. It, I just like the I like the chance that, that I like that the athletes have a chance to get paid. They're, they're not going to figure out the regulations for a while. It's going to be a problem. I hopefully I just yeah. hope that like places like um, you know major major markets like New York and Los Angeles don't take up all the good players because of all the opportunities they have outside. I, I, you know, right. That that would be my only real concern. But yeah, because then the schools, how in the Midwest, smaller you know towns like Michigan, like Lincoln, Nebraska, those athletes can still get or still schools can still get the the top end athletes that they've been recruiting in the past. So I kind of agree with Mike there. Just hold mm -hmm. that the big city schools don't take advantage. I mean, to their part, they can, because that's where the business is going now. So <clears throat> very, very interesting. So to wrap the show up real quick, we got more football coming up here in the spring. So we got the USFL is back in the house. We got a game this we got we season games starting this Saturday and Sunday. And I believe it's going to be on a city CBS affiliate or something like that. And uh, so I just want to go with the coaches that's on some of that's coaching some of these teams. And I know Mike, you're going to have something to say about the first coach that I mentioned here on the list. Jeff Fisher is coaching the Michigan Panthers, Mich Michigan Panthers, uh, Todd Haley, mm -hmm. Tampa Bay bandits, uh, a guy that has been uh, assistant, I think a lifelong assistant, Bart Andrus. He's with the Philadelphia stars. And then uh, Kevin Sullum, who used to coach the Aggies and um, Houston. Arizona, too, Houston. right? He, yeah, Arizona, yeah, too. He, he's 
Larry Fedora is with the New New Orleans Breakers, and Mike Riley used to coach that in Nebraska. Uh, he's with the New Jersey Generals, and Kirby Wilson is with the Pittsburgh Maulers. So, hey, guys, you got a little football. You know, what you think, Mike? I can see you shaking your head, Mike. What's up? <laughs> I just – I love football, but, like, it's just like anything else. I want to – if it's good if, – if it's a good product, we'll watch, right? Right. I'm not I, – I don't love football enough to watch bad football. Like, if, if it's a good high school game and because I know, like, okay, now we're, I'm expecting high school football and it's really good, there's a really good athlete on the field, I'll go watch it. College, yeah. you know, but if this is – I don't know if we we can't find thirty two good we can't find ten good quarterbacks in the league. Who the hell's who, who's played for the USFL? Like who's who's running the show? Who's who's slinging the rock in the USFL that I'm going to want to go watch? I don't know. Uh, true, that's true. I'm kind of with you, Mike. I I got I watch a little bit of how long it was around, maybe a, half a season the XFL and then the other spring league that was a couple years ago. Yeah, it's the quality of football because we know football. You know, we all three of us know what what high-end football looks like and to see it to be coached and to see players play and actually do things that you see proper technique you know throwing the ball tackling blocking all that stuff and then when you don't see that it's like you know what i'm not this is not my time i mean now this is a waste of my time let's uh move on but i say the only bright thing is these these athletes get opportunity to play and maybe maybe get some film that could pass on to the NFL later on once the spring season's over. So I say that's the hey, one silver lining there. What's up, Mike? Hey John, did your dad ever talk to you about uh NFL Europe? Do you know do you do you did you ever hear about that? Um he never told me about it, but I do know of some people that did play. Yeah, and back back in the day that was kind of the that was kind of like our I, I guess that was our feeder league, AG. Mm-hmm. Basically kind of a, yeah, yeah. feeder league you go play I think you would go play six or eight games over in Europe, live in a city and just get reps. And um, I don't, right. I didn't, I didn't, I thought I was going to go, but I didn't, I'm not going after my rookie year. I didn't play, but I, for whatever reason they didn't send me. And I was talking to these, you know, some coaches, this, the coaches are looking for a, who are you going to send? It's like, well, usually your third string guys. And then all of a sudden, well, who's going to watch third? It just becomes hard, right? As far as how are you going to make money playing eight games with third string guys? I don't know if anyone's going to want to watch, but <laughs> Developmentally, yeah. it's it's a necessary thing. Like you need to have it, right? It's just it's too bad that it's just too bad that it's too bad that there's not a bridge. And like right now in the in the NBA, you can see like guys can go abroad and play real basketball if they don't want to go to the NCAA, mm-hmm. or guys can go to the D League if they don't want to play in the NCAA. We don't quite have that. And I don't know if if economically it's feasible, but it does make sense to me. Yeah, and hopefully one day we'll have. So this we'll see how this lasts, you know, because we saw XFL not last long. Um, the other league, I can't even remember the name, unfortunately. Not trying to, you know, badmouth them or anything, but it was right before the XFL. So we'll see. So <laughs> that brings us to the end of our show, John Runyon Jr. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate you. And also, this show is presented by Bet Online, where you can get all your bet needs in prop bets, fun ones, stuff like that. So again, John, thank you for coming in. I appreciate you. Get back to, I say, taking care of the doggies there. <laughs> they're, they're trying to boss you around a little bit. Um, but you can find us on, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at amongreen30.com or uh, non, uh, amongreen30, all one word, excuse me. And then Mike also right there at Mike Wall 68 and then process to perform. And uh, you can download this podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Give us the feedback. We like to get better. We are athletes. We don't mind criticism or or even compliments. We love we love them both. So definitely do that. And so we will see you guys. See everyone. 
if it's just Mike, I'll see you next week. John, I'll maybe see you around Green Bay one day. And I, I play I, I play video games too. I pretty I know you play video games because you are a millennial. So I know you do something on Xbox, PlayStation, or computer. So we could do that one day. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, catch you next week. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks yeah. for having me. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.